Welcome to We Got Balls, real, raw, masculine sex talk with Chris Inman and Scott Cohn. Chris and Scott both work with men who want to leave their unwanted sexual struggles in the past. They are willing to do whatever it takes to help men get curious about what drives their compulsive sexual behavior. With that said, here we go. Oh, everybody, I'm so excited. This is the best day of the year. If you guys have are new to the podcast, this is the first time, the very first time right here on We Got Balls that we get to celebrate the award show. This is our annual award show. And Scott, I'm telling you, uh, you may think I'm crazy. Yes, I am crazy. We're both crazy. Let's just, let's just admit to it, right? But we are here to celebrate and investigate the Pornhub Year in Review. That sounds nuts. The Pornhub. Yes. <laughs> The pornies, baby. We're here. We're going to talk about what is all the, things porn search related. And no, we're not looking. What is the what's the statue we're handing out for this? Oh, is it's, it a, it's the golden it's, it's erection. The golden <laughs> it's definitely the hand job or something like that. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, yeah. it's it's probably a yeah. That's that's probably what it is. <laughs> just just for reference, you can find this information without actually going to Pornhub, FYI. So you don't have to look this stuff up on the website. You can find it. It's just a PDF on the side. But what they do every year on Pornhub is they collect all the data from all the searches. And one of the things that we uh, really benefited from was we, we <laughs> use this book, A Billion Wicked Thoughts, which is a very similar idea. Um, uh, to be able to look at the data behind what people look at when they're looking up porn. Because frankly, nobody wants to talk about it. Right, Scott? Yeah, no, and that's a great question. It's like, why are we talking about it? We're two guys that help men get off of right. porn. What are you doing promoting Pornhub? Yeah. We're not really promoting Pornhub, but I think it's just fascinating. You know, in a, in a Billion Wicked Thoughts, the whole premise of the book was, the way that sex research has been done traditionally is you give people questionnaires. Most of this is done at the college level. So it's done with uh, grad students and PhD candidates recruiting horny 18 to 21 year olds, asking them all their questions about their sexual activity and then taking those results and projecting them to the general population. And of course, college is a very horny time for many people. So you're you're making you're making lots of projections based on a really uh, very sexually active and experimental cohort that may not apply to everybody. That that was the first premise of the book, A Billion Wicked Thoughts, is why are we doing sex research in this kind of old fashioned way? And the second thing is it's been documented over and over again that people that will sit down and actually fill out surveys, whether it's in person with a grad student or online, and talk about how much anal sex they had last week are kind of weird people. You know, they, they, they're, they're, they're not ashamed of their sexuality, which is good. We, we promote a non-shaming view of sexuality, but um, at the same time, to kind of get into all that stuff with a stranger, you got to be a little kind of out there. So their premise of the book was, hey, maybe with today's technology and looking at searches on uh, giant tube versions of porn tube versions like Pornhub or meta search engines that combine search from a number of search engines, including Google, we could get to more of what people are actually looking for and watching in pornography. And that's probably more insightful 
with a focus group of 300 million people or 5 billion people, you know, than it is by recruiting, you know, 1500 people and projecting results for everybody. And so I think their, their premise is really sound and it's very interesting. And now Pornhub does this annual report that tells you, you know, by category, by country, by uh, genre, what people are actually searching for and watching. And so it's a really interesting window into the human sexual mind. And that's why we do this, this, these episodes that we're doing, because we think it provides fascinating insight into what really drives us sexually. Yep. And I, I want to go back and make an important psychological point that psychologists, neuroscientists will tell you that 95% of our mental lives are pretty much subconscious. Mm -hmm. We don't understand why we do the things we do. 40% of our daily activities are habitual. You didn't think about how you put your underwear on this morning or when you went to eat breakfast, you didn't think, I have to put the food on the spoon and bring it to my mouth and chew. All of that stuff was automatic. And so you don't really analyze and think about how much of my daily stuff am I just, boom, I'm on autopilot. Yeah, and I think if we go back, I, I think if we go back to the idea of sexual shame, part of what makes this so fascinating is these are things, these are searches, these are words that nobody wants to talk about that they're actually doing. I mean, they're going onto a web browser, usually in private, and they're looking up particular words, particular ideas to have the, a, an experience of sexual arousal and, and climax. And they're doing this for reasons. And so I think part of what we want to get curious about is, is what is it that, that we see? What is it that you can see? What is it that these people who we're searching are looking for in, on these tube sites or on Google so that you can get, get a better understanding as to those underlying habitual psychological motivations that are just kind of buried there in your life? There are things that you're doing and you don't know why you're doing them. So, so that's the that's the main point of our entire podcast is, look, there's a reason why what arouses you arouses you. You, you may not understand what the reason is, but with some help from others who can kind of get into your stories with you and find out how this arousal started in your life, what turns you on, what kind of, what kind of porn are you watching when you masturbate to yeah. porn? Nobody's really probably asked you that question. But there's some insight in there that can tie back to events in your life or experiences or relationships in your life where those things formed. And by thinking about it and by gaining insight on that, you can actually start to make change happen in your life. Because if you don't understand why you're doing the things you're doing, you're not going to be able to change. And there is a reason why everything that turns you on turns you on. It didn't just pop into existence out That's of nowhere. Absolutely right. Absolutely so, so before we that's why get too, we do too far down the road, Scott, you're, you've read this. We've read this Pornhub year in review. What, are, what is something that just stands out for you as you start to look at the big picture ideas that they present? Well, the first thing, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, but the number one thing, the number one uh, topic that people are searching for is hentai mm -hmm. porn. And we talked about this, I think, in an episode a couple of weeks ago. 
Hentai porn is anime, Japanese anime style porn um, that targets children. They're targeting eight to mm -hmm. 10 year olds. And it's drawing in, basically it's, it's providing a grooming function for kids who are about to go into puberty to introduce them to sexuality in some really interesting, maybe not so helpful ways for their developing sexuality in the future, combining a lot of different aspects. So that kind of leads me to the way we look at these things is in three kind of broad categories of what turns us on sexually. The first thing is cued visual sexual interests. And we've talked about this before as well. There are four broad categories within that subject of visual cued sexual interests. All human beings, but particularly males, because males are the ones that watch visual pornography by and large, much more prevalently than females. About 65% of porn viewers are male versus female. And men watch completely different porn than females do. So what men are watching is breasts or chests, butts, feet, and penises when it comes to visual cued sexual interests. They're parts of the human body that men are sexually aroused by, whether they're straight identified or gay identified or anywhere okay, in between. So, Those four so areas. These are, this is the front door, right? So we're talking about, you know, hentai is, is one of the big things. And and I think if you if you look, and, and we'll, we'll do in our next episode, kind of the big picture top 10 or top 20 list of categories. So we'll break this down a little more. But there's this idea where you're looking particularly for a visual stimulus. I want to look at a character, a, a, a woman, a man that has these particular aspects to them. So yes, you may type in hentai, but as you're scrolling through the videos, you're looking for things in the videos that stand out to you, right? Yep. That's the, that's kind of the baseline criteria. It's got to have breast, chest, butt, feet, penis, somehow in some combination, minimum, at a minimum, because that's what's going to pull me in visually. Um, and there, there are other viewed sexual interests, ejaculation. Um, another one, just to kind of get ahead on the ranking, is one of the, one of the top 30 ranked terms was squirting, which is when a woman has an orgasm and maybe issues some fluid visually. So that's a visual cue sexual interest of sexual pleasure or satisfaction it's it's kind of a subcategory in there but it's still something visually is showing me arousal uh from the human body okay so view right. visual cue hold sexual on, interest before one. we get too far let me get real so when we're talking about this what, what we're talking about is the things that are the obvious these are the things that are pretty much i like this i don't like this i'm looking for this I'm, i mean and you mentioned all the different body parts. You mentioned the things that indicate sexual arousal, like ejaculation, squirting. So I think people want to stop there. They're like, well, that's, of course, I like that. Who doesn't like that? So what, what we're seeing in that, there's isn't there meaning in some of that? Isn't there a deeper uh, investigation beyond just, I like big boobs? What do big boobs mean? Or what does it mean that I like to watch a woman have an orgasm? That's right. So... So the next two elements that are important to understand is because not everybody is attracted to big breasts. Not everybody is attracted to squirting videos. So what 
determines whether a particular visual cued interest really sparks me. And you have to look at the next two elements overall in our in our definition of what comprises the mixture or the, the cocktail of arousal. The second would be psychological cues. These tie back to my experiences, how I first experienced sex. It may tie into relational experiences of harm or pleasure. Um, it may tie into um, something that's not even related to sex, which is where you get into something like a fetish. So where is a guy who gets turned on by a woman smoking long cigarettes? How does that develop? It's not a sexual cue because smoking cigarettes is not tied in with any of those body parts that we find arousing. So there's something going on psychologically that cues that as an arousal target for me. And when we use the word cue, think of it very simply in terms of the behavioral kind of stimulus response. A cue is a stimulus to arousal. So it's any person, place, thing, concept, idea, story, whatever. Those are these four, these three broad categories we're talking about. The stimulus then triggers arousal. That's the response. So, okay. you know, the classic example is Pavlov's dog. I bring the food. I ring the bell. I do that over and over again. And pretty soon all I need to do is ring the bell and the dog starts salivating. There's a physiological and a psychological response to the sound of the bell that got associated with the dog food being brought in. Sexual arousal is the same kind of mechanism in our minds. You see the cue and it triggers arousal and then you go and experience orgasm and it's reinforcing this habitual kind of cycle. Over time then, that becomes obscure to us. We don't understand anymore. We may not remember how that developed in our lives, but we just find, you know, the idea of a woman giving, um, uh, masturbating me with uh, pantyhose on to be sexually st yeah. stimulating, which, which some guys do. So how does that happen in my life? I may not be aware of it. I'm aware of the arousal, but I'm not aware of how that developed from a uh, either visual cute interest, the psychological story, or my own particular stories of where this develops in my narrative of the okay, person. So before we go, so those are the three. Well, before we go, because I think you know it's important to connect the pieces together. I, you know, there, there's the visual that that's obvious. That's that's in your face. That's what's being, uh, you know, that's what's in the headline, right? But but the psychological cues are things that may, that connect that stimulus, that that porn, that experience with something in me, right? Something that's gone yeah. on maybe in my life that I've been exposed to, maybe something that I experienced when I was younger, maybe something um, that 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 really gives me, I mean, it turns me on, makes me horny, whatever, whatever word you want to use. But there's, I think it's important that when we go back and analyze that, those aren't, those psychological cues are not as easy to spot as the visual cues, you know, that's there, right. There, That's there's right. a real need for curiosity there and 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 kindness towards yourself because I'll, I'll be I'll be very very blunt. I once had a guy who sat me down in front of a screen and said, "Type in what you type in when you're looking to masturbate," and I'm like, "Do what?" 
And he's and he said, sure, I want to I want to I want to see this. And so we typed it in and, and we start looking at the videos and he says, tell me what you see. Tell me. And I don't I, I'm this is a guy I trusted. This is a guy that was not doing this to groom me or, or harm me in any way. He was trying to help me be curious. But as he did this, I had a hard time explaining to him why I look for these things in these videos. Because once I got below those visual cues, it's it's so deeply sewn into who I believe myself to be that the shame just tends to rise up. And what we've really got to push into is the fact that it is so important to sit with, with patient, kind people, these feelings and thoughts and desires that come up because there's a whole range of caught causes is not the right word. What, 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 where would you get, uh, you know, factors that create them? How do you describe that? I mean, there's an origin story to okay. why what you typed into that search engine and what you found arousing is arousing. And it's not there. there there's a cause and effect relationship, right? You, you type the word, there's a cause for that typing of that search term. When you watch the video, there's a reason that that makes you aroused. So think in terms of cause and effect, causality. What, like, and that's why curiosity is required because we all feel a lot of shame around our sexuality. We all feel shame about what arouses us. And so this plays in the theater of our mind and we think, oh my gosh, if anybody found out what really turns me on, they would reject me for being yes. a pervert. Um, so this doesn't show up in the top search terms, but it's a common sexual fantasy motif of incest porn. Well, it does kind of show up because one of the top search terms is yep. stepmom. Yep. Okay. So stepmom is a form of incest that's removed from son, mom, um, uh, incest, but it's, so it's safe enough, but it's still transgressive. So this combines a number of different kind of what we would consider uh, subcategories of fantasy, and it combines age, which is a psychological sexual cue. It combines a family dynamic, which is a psychological yep. cue. And so a lot of guys watch incest-oriented porn. They watch porn where a stepmom comes on to a stepson. And there's a lot of shame around that. But, but... But there's also a lot of arousal around that. That's that we, we have to be very clear that the shame is what begins the excitement of I shouldn't be looking at this. I'm a bad person for looking at this. And yet in that shame, there is arousal. There is excitement. And I think that's the that's part of the psychological dynamic that's so important is this exchange between shame and arousal and, and risk and identity and all those things that are there, those are all kind of baked into this stew that you can only make sense of when you go down to the next level, to the, to the origin story level, to this place where there, there is a narrative, there is a dynamic that creates this, right? Which is, I mean, yeah, nobody would, would say the fact that my stepmom used to walk around in her underwear at the house they wouldn't connect that directly until they go back and say, hey, you know, when I was six years old, I remember before my dad fussed at her, my stepmom would walk around in her bra and underwear to make breakfast. That's right. Well, let me take it a step further, because what I've done with guys is I've not only said, 
show me what you're typing into the search engines, I'll take them into what did you actually watch and at what point in what you were watching did you orgasm? Like, what did you find the most arousing part of that particular video? And, for example, one guy said, when, when the guy penetrates her. So that's interesting because what does that mean? She's finally letting you in, right? So how does that tie back to your story of growing up, maybe where you felt distant from your mom and you're watching now a stepmom who's tutoring a son on his developing sexuality. And man, when she finally lets you penetrate her, it feels like relief. And that's interesting because that differs from a normal sexual cute interest, which would be the guy ejaculates, right? That's a, that's a very common porn motif is the guy pulls out and ejaculates on the woman's face or something. And that's seen as an arousal target. But in this guy's particular case, it was the penetration itself that was so arousing. And I asked him, what does it mean to you? What's the symbolism of that? You've got to think about it in those terms. And, and I think it's important to say this. And, and, and the reason we keep putting these kind of containers in it is that this kind of conversation, this kind of exploration, it requires a safe space you can absolutely be triggered by doing this work and by looking at these things. I mean, that, you know, you're triggering <laughs> you will, yourself. You will porn. be triggered. And, you yeah, will be triggered. I mean, well, and, and I want to, I want to make this very clear though. You will be triggered, but not to the point of, of going back into your addiction, into your struggle, into your compulsive behavior by yourself you'll be engaging those emotions in a safe place with safe people if it's done properly. And that's yeah. what the invitation that we're, that we're, we're saying is if you're doing it with a container, if you're doing it with some, some, uh, some dynamics that create curiosity without the shame, without the, the, the harm being recreated in your life, it's possible to go explore these things, but it takes time and it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of care and curiosity. So if anybody's listening to this conversation and if you hadn't turned it off by now, bravo to you and saying they shouldn't be talking about this. This is going to trigger people. If we don't talk about this, the silence and the shame will remain and there will be no investigation as to why. There will be no compassion into what we're really doing in this Pornhub year in review is saying we care. We care enough to blow through the bullshit of religion or whatever sexual shame you're stuck in. And we want to ask the question, tell me more. What's really going on? I mean, that the question that you talked with with your uh, with your friend that you were sent, you know, what point in the video do you climax? That's like a, it's almost an invasive question. Scott is like, how dare you ask me that? Yeah. But, if I, but if those kind of questions don't get asked, then the silence around that remains and the compulsive addictive behavior continues. Right. And it's because of that cloud of shame that sits over that. Because if we and this is the typical way of trying to manage this on our own is if I just shame that behavior and hate myself for doing it, I'll extinguish it. And you won't. What you'll do is you'll make it more compulsive. You'll inflame it. You'll blow gasoline on it. You don't understand why you're doing, and it's this whole, you know, who, who is it that said an unexamined life 
is not worth living. An unexamined sexual life is not going to be worth living because it's ultimately going to lead you to this place of a lot of self-contempt and a lot of confusion about why, why do I find that so arousing? We believe there are answers there, but it takes this care of being able to do that with safe other people. And, and they can hold space for you where you can actually do that. And they're not going to shame you, but we're also not going to go, oh, well done. Way to fantasize. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's, a a great, beautiful, that's a great arousal temper. Top 10 arousal temper. Can I have a copy of what you just wrote there? Because I find that very right. <laughs> No, no, no. It's, yeah. It's not- well, I'll just say this in our in our own training when we were when we were doing story training, we were asked to write a fantasy story. Yeah. And so that you know, even even in that kind of kind of deal, it was this. Okay, can I go there? And, and is this too much for me? And and it's a challenge to do this work. Absolutely. I mean, you could say, uh, why are you guys encouraging guys to fantasize? Because they're doing it anyway. So we're yes. encouraging them to do it in a place where they can actually start to make meaning out of what their fantasies are. So they stop yes. driving them to this unconscious behavior that's making them feel a lot of shame and self-contempt. It's a vicious cycle. Once you can start to understand what that that whole fantasy structure is about, it's usually at the ground level about resolving some kind of pain in my life, healing some kind of wound that comes from my childhood. And I, I simply am not aware that that's going on. Yeah. And, and that's really where we want to bring it back to, because until that work is done, and, and I think, frankly, it's it's acute in the spaces that we work in because people are behaving in a way that they feel ashamed about. And it's it's so bold. But across the board, there's a number of of people, the majority of the population, I would say, that could benefit from going back and investigating where did my struggles begin in that place of pain when I was young. Yeah. And so that's that's why that's why we're curious about strange things like Pornhub Year in Review, because it has some answers for us to be able to see the the um, the threads and the colors and the smells of our stories. And so, you know, that's the invitation. And so if you're curious um, about the particular stories that you may be acting out in your compulsive sexual behavior, you want to come back for the next episode because we're going to be doing our top 10, top 20 list on Pornhub Year in Review and explaining how these particular visual cues and psychological cues get you deeper into that narrative, that embodied myth that we like to call it of your story, your story of trying to make sense of all of this, given what you've been given. Any, any last comments, Scott? Yeah, this is fun. <laughs> this is my one, one of my favorite parts of my job, I think probably is yours too, is helping guys make meaning out of their sexual arousal. And man, when the light bulbs go on, there is such freedom and just relief that comes into their life because they don't, they realize they're not bad people. They're and that's that's kind of where we all go with this is I'm a bad, worthless person because of what I know goes on in the theater of my mind. And if anybody else knew that, I would be rejected. And the reality yeah. is you're just like everybody else. Exactly. So welcome to the human race. We're going to be humans together, but also care for one another, as we believe is the most important thing that any person can do uh, is to be kind to another. And so uh, be kind to yourself. 
and we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye, guys. Don't forget to subscribe for more episodes. You can connect with Chris at PornFreeMasculinity.com and with Scott at SuccessfulMen.com.